Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us back on the podcast, Carlos Whitaker. Um, if you remember, I interviewed Carlos in July 2020, um, where we discussed one of his books. This, we're going to discuss his new book coming out on January 24th, How to Human, Three Ways to Share Life Beyond What Distracts, Divides, and Disconnects Us. Carlos is a, a speaker. He's an influencer. Um, he's a musician. Um, he's a podcaster, multi-talented and multifaceted, but just great. Honestly, he's a great conversationalist. And so it was phenomenal to sit down with him um, and just to discuss his book. I read the one nice thing about hosting a podcast is you get to read lots of books and you get to read them a lot of times before they come out. And so I got an advanced copy of his book and just read it. And then I came up with some questions and we get to talk about um, Carlos's upbringing and some lessons he learns um, from that and how he's he's beginning to embrace that and embracing who he is. And some and he talks about his, his past and maybe that might have been different in the past. Um, he talks about listening, uh, the things that, that make us jump for joy and challenges us. What When's the last time that we really jump for joy? We talk a little about, about trout fishing. We have that in common. He's a fly fisherman. Uh, I love to drown worms and, and do a fly fish every once in a while, but it was just uh, interesting to discuss that. And uh, we do discuss one of the phrases that he had learned from a friend. I forget exactly who he said, but one of his pastor friends talked about, I don't stand on issues. I walk with people. And that has been a phrase that has rattled in my heart and mind um, as I read this book. Is we walk through, we live in a complicated age. It's complex. Um, you don't know if you should say, should not say, but Carlos just challenges us to say, hey, I'm going to be like Jesus. And that the whole book, this whole thing is how to human based on the life of Jesus. And Jesus walked with people and he didn't necessarily stand on issues. What he did was walk with people. And that's Carlos is not asking us to lay aside our convictions and lay aside the Bible. He's not lay, lay aside morals. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is, is the most important thing and the thing that we come in contact with is people. And he just challenged, challenged me. It's some a phrase that's rattled in my heart and mind. I talk about the Holy Spirit convicting me of some of the things that, um, of maybe the way I acted in the past, maybe some judgments I had in the past. And uh, just this idea, am I willing to be like Jesus and walk with people and trust the outcome? You know, God has called us to love, and Carlos challenges us to that to that desire to, to love and to love those around us. He also, at the end of the podcast, we talk about loneliness, which I think is probably one of the... Um, greatest diseases, uh, afflictions that we have of our day is this this overwhelming loneliness. We, we all know that we're more connected than we ever have been. At the same time, I think people are more lonely than they ever have been. And so just a phenomenal time to sit down with Carlos. I do ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where I sit down with Dick Foth, and we go over uh, the questions you sit in. It's always fun to sit down with Dick, get his wisdom and insight and experience, and uh, just phenomenal. I was, just a side note, I had an opportunity to meet some of uh, Dick's friends um, here in Nairobi, Kenya. They came through, and um, I, I shared with thick. When people mention his name, they light up. And I said, man, what a testimony of when people, maybe if people would say the name Aaron Santamire, people would light up. Because when they you mentioned the name Dick Foth, in this very diverse crowd of people, man, they lit up. Men, women, different nationalities, different backgrounds. When you mentioned his name, they lit up and could share the stories of how he impacted their life. So it's an honor to have Dick with us on the podcast for those sessions of Back Channel with Foth. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here. 
Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have a friend. We were just talking um, before we got on here. The last time we talked was in July 2020, and uh, I was in Madagascar, and but now I'm in Nairobi, Kenya. So, Carlos, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks, man. I'm definitely not in as fun of locations every time we talk as you are. So, <laughs> well, I don't know if they're fun, but they're different. They're different for sure. Yeah. You can hear you can hear the crickets in the background and all the all yeah. the noise of making a, a podcast a little bit challenging from the other side. So, Carlos, sure. um, I follow you on social media, but for the listeners who don't, um, and could you just share a little bit about yourself before we jump into your book, How to Human? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I am a uh, it's always so funny. Whenever I say those those three words, I always have to stop. I am a, and then I'm like, well, what am I? Like, like what what is it that I do? I feel like I feel like every six months it changes. Uh, but I, you know, I think for for the majority of people that that know me, I'm a author, um, and I being an author with writing books that help people on their on journeys to find freedom in some way, shape, or form. Um, that, that places me in front of a lot of people to speak. So I'm also a speaker too. I speak at, you know, I'd say 70%. I'm kind of in the corporate world, which is a lot okay. different than the last time we talked. Yeah, um, very you know, uh, and then 30% I'm in the faith space. Uh, I'll always be in the faith space because my faith is, is a big part of who I am. But, uh, you know, in, in, in kind of some turning of events the last few years, the uh, corporate audience has kind of gravitated to a lot of my messages. And I'm able to to take what I'm saying and, um, you know, not sneak the gospel into some corporate settings, but basically, <laughs> I feel like an undercover, uh, undercover guy going in and talking to a bunch of CEOs and executives. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. So I'm an author and a speaker. And I share my life. I try to share my life in, in as vulnerable and authentic ways as possible on Instagram, social media. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I try to use my influence to, to help people um, find freedom in, the, in those respects as well. Yeah. I'm excited. Honestly, one of my last questions for you is down there, but it's probably one of my most, ex- the, the things I'm most, uh, you said in the book, I don't stand on oh, okay. issues. I walk with people. We'll get there, but that's yeah. one I'm super excited because okay. man, I've wanted, you know, I, I'm not as eloquent as you are with words and I've always wanted like a, res- not a quick pithy response, but when I saw sure. that on the page, I thought, man, that is it. That is, that that's is it. it so right. We'll get, we'll get to it. But anyway. Okay. Okay. So, okay. But, but Carlos, before we jump into that, um, you you spent a first part of the book talking kind of a little bit about your your life story and and your past and just kind of get to know you a little bit what did carlos like to do as a kid and when you were growing up yeah. and just share a little bit about where you grew up and cuz that's kind of part Absolutely. of the book yeah sure no i carlos um what did i like to do as a kid i i liked i like to play soccer or football depending on where your listener is For coming sure. from um, so I was big into that, played all through, you know, peewee leagues, elementary school, high school, college. Um, so that was, that was a big deal for me. Sports, you know, I loved sports. Um, and, um, you know, besides that, man, I mean, I was, I was that, I was that kid. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. So, you know, I played Atari, you know, I, I like video <laughs> games when, when they first came out. So listen, I was playing a, I was playing video games with a joystick and one button. Okay. Wow. So just, Me too. Uh, just, just nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere I came from there. I uh, sure. loved, loved, loved playing video games, loved spending time with, you know, friends. And, and I grew up, um, you know, I grew up in, was born in East LA and Pico Rivera to two immigrant uh, parents to the United hmm. States. And then uh, pr- at a pretty young age, we moved to the South to Atlanta, Georgia. And so, you know, there, there I found myself as a, 
as a young, you know, half black, half Mexican kid that spoke primarily Spanish, having to melt into this, you know, Southern white culture, you know, suburban wow. culture. And so, you know, there, there's a lot in the book about that. There's a lot in the book of, of kind of me kind of discovering who I am and maybe pretending uh, to be something that I wasn't. And, uh, you know, but man, I think my, my childhood experience was, was really good. You know, I, I grew up in a, uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention, um, grew up, grew up, you know, Southern Baptist Church in Atlanta. I did all the things, RAs, yeah. uh, Royal Ambassadors. You know, yeah. I did the pledge, all the little races, the Pinewood <laughs> Derbies. Man, I was a church kid, man. Oh, you know, you're in, speaking my like, language. You're speaking yeah, my bro, language like, now. Pinewood was, Derby, uh, man, for sure. I, I don't get to, I don't get to say this on a lot of podcasts, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, man, I was, I was, I was a church kid. I loved being at church. I loved being with my friends. Uh, I just, I had a really good childhood. I loved it. Awesome. You're a musician also. Did you, as a kid, yeah. did, is, how did you get involved in music? Was that part of your growing up? Yeah, it was part of me growing up. You know, I, I got a guitar when I was, I don't know, fifth grade maybe. And I always, you know, was always in the choirs, loved singing. Um, uh, I mean, here, here goes some more uh, evangelical church culture uh, for you. I played handbells, um, <laughs> wow. which, is, which is where I learned to read music. Uh, Miss Nancy Jane Blair, God rest her soul, uh, was uh, was my handbell bell director. I played the B and C bells, and so like honestly, like it was in handbells where like I learned to read music because like you're having to read your notes the whole time, um, and th- yeah, just kind of grew into a love for music and arranging music, and then yeah, you know, grew up, ended up becoming you know a worship yeah. artist and signing yeah. a record deal and yeah, all that stuff. But all that started in church. Wow. And that's that's where I first heard you um, was when you were a worship leader. And um, anyway, yeah. that's why I just wanted to, to ask that question. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Carlos, you talk, um, you share about the importance of knowing where you are from and embracing yeah. the piece of us we may want to hide and lay claim to it. How does that how does that impact being human or how to human? Yeah. You know, um, the, the first step in how to human. I mean, what, what a. Um, the the title is pretty um i mean it's a pretty confident title right someone to write a book <laughs> called how to human you know it's like well, who's this guy like like, like who's, who's this guy that that's saying you know that that he knows how to human and so you know i i do like to preface that with letting people know that like i am i am not the uh the uh educator on how it is to human like i i take all my cues from the life of jesus I For take sure. all my cues from how how he was the greatest human to ever walk the face of the earth, and so yeah, um, you know, so so looking at again, like I, I I began to look at the humanity of Jesus. I began to look mm. at who he was as a human. There's been a lot of books written on the divinity of Jesus. I'm not smart enough to write those books, but I am smart <laughs> enough to look look and go, oh, this guy was a human just like me. Like like yeah. like how can I be more like him? And so in that in the first part, I do talk about being human and being authentic who you are. Jesus was unashamed with who he was unashamed of being the son of a Jewish carpenter, you know, like, like born in a, uh, like in a box that probably had feces in it. Like he was unashamed of his roots and where he came sure. from. And I feel like as Christians, so many times we tried to hard, we tried to hide the hard parts of our story. We tried to hide <clears throat> maybe the parts of our stories that we're not proud of, or maybe that won't get us to that next space in life. And, the more I looked at Jesus's life, the more I'm like, this guy was unashamed to be who he was. And so I, you know, I went on, I go on this journey in the beginning of the book of really, um, really trying to lead the reader to a space of, you know, like there's parts of you that actually you need to step into that you were created to be. 
that mm-hmm. that you're not stepping into parts of your story that maybe you're ashamed of parts of your story that may be harder and to be fully human you have to be fully who you were and for me sure. in the book you know i go on i go on this journey of again like i said growing up in the south my mom is a um is like a white mexican right so she's she looks like the queen of england right like she mm. has her skin is white as snow my dad is a black panamanian right so he is a african panamanian an afro latina from colon panama so i grew up as kind of this mixed race kid but in the south um you know my dad was very clear when i was young he was like carlos when we moved to the south he's like you are not black you're mexican and so mm. the reason why he said that to me um, which was actually, you know, growing up in the South, I didn't understand why he would always tell me that, but he was trying to protect me because mm-hmm. he knew that being black in the South, um, in, in America sure. is going to be a lot harder, um, mm-hmm. than if I chose something else. And so I kind of made that choice and I kind of made the choice to hide the black part of who I was. Um, and you know, I go deep into the book on, on how, uh, how, you know, confusing that was for me, but also yeah. how, um, I, that came alive in me in my forties, uh, yeah. and 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 how when that finally did come alive in me, I finally I think stepped into the fullness of who God created me to be. Like I tell people, if you're like a, you know, if you got like Italian grandma in you, man, be Italian grandma, make that pasta, <laughs> like go all in. You know, if you were like, you know, like like country white southerner that loves you know uh southern music and sweet tea man go all in like be who you were created to be but i think we're sometimes we're just so ashamed of certain aspects of who we are that we hide those things and so um yeah man you know i just think it's really important for us in order to be or to to be human you have to the first step is you have to be human right there's two other steps but you you have to um really be who god created you to be and step into the fullness of your identity mixed in with your identity in Christ. And I think you've become unstoppable. Yeah. And I think that's that what spoke to me, Carlos, is powerful because obviously God, we're not by accident, right? We believe that we're created. God yeah. divinely created us. And you challenged me. You know, I, you, I have a map of West Virginia behind me. I'm from West Virginia. Not too many people are proud of being from West Virginia. <laughs> right. But I am proud. Right. I, you know, it is who I am. You know what I mean? I, I'm not going to yeah, change. I can't I love change it. where I was born. I can't change the school I went to. Um, and, right. and, and we, you know, realized that that's, that's who God created yeah. us to be for sure. One of the other things that jumped out to me was the idea of putting up the, uh, the blow up Santa. And, uh, during that time, actually, when we talked in July, 2020, we had put up our Christmas tree. It was this idea yeah. of what, you know, what, what gives us joy. And we kept the Christmas tree up from, I don't know, in all the summer and didn't make sense. <laughs> but it was something we could look at to give us joy, uh, and jump for joy. Um, can you share what that looks like? to you and some practical ways that we can grasp what gives us joy and the importance yeah. of that. Yeah. You know, again, and being fully human, there's also desires in, in your heart that God has placed inside of you. And for so many of us, you know, I, and speaking to, you know, your audience, people that are really busy, having to lead a lot of teams, having to make a lot of decisions. Sometimes we can get really hyper-focused on our identity, like in our jobs and in our, in our calling. And sometimes we forget to have fun. Sometimes we forget what, what it looks like to actually jump for joy. I ask people that all the time. When is the last time we hear that all the time? Oh, jumping for joy. When's the last time that there was actually air and space between the bottom of your feet and the planet earth because you were so excited about something for many people, you know, uh, that's going to be like sporting events, right? Like, like it's like, Oh, when your team does well, you jump like they're, you're finally in the air, suspended in the air. And so it's like, 
What brings you joy? It's so important for us to find those things about us that make us fully human. You know, I, I talk about the fact that, I mean, you know, you, you brought up the Santa Claus. Like, I'm a big sure. Christmas inflatable. Like, but at the time of this recording, I don't know if, when you're listening to this, but at the time of this recording, it's it's Christmas time. It's like straight up December or something. My my yard is filled with Christmas blo- inflatables, Christmas blowups. I got lights all over because that brings me joy. It's part of who I am. So I step fully into yeah. that. And so, you know, that, that's the thing. It's like, find that thing it may be buried. It may be buried. You may not know. So you may have to experiment on some things. Try some new things. For me, it wasn't until I was 41 years old, someone took me fly fishing. Mm-hmm. And I tell this story in my in my book previous to this, Enter Wild, where yeah. I man, I didn't, I didn't, I don't like to touch fish. I didn't like to, I don't like to fish. It's so boring, <laughs> you know. Someone took me fly fishing once, and the first time I stepped in that river. And a, I had a guide with me. I didn't, I, I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I looked like I was having a seizure trying to cast my fly rod. <laughs> but when I finally casted that thing and a trout came up and ate that fly and took off up the river and that rod tip bent over, my heart went to a place that it's, I, it, I never knew it could go. And it was pounding and I fought that fish and I brought it in. And when I got it in, I was like, oh my gosh, I actually, I'm a fly fisherman. I didn't know that God had created me. <laughs> To be a fly fisherman, but that's who I am. And guess yeah. what, bro? That week I went on that trip, I was the first one in the river every day. I was the last one out of that river. And wow. since that day, it's been seven years since that day, there hasn't been a two-week period that I have not been waist deep in a river somewhere mm-hmm. on planet Earth fly fishing, right? And so whether that be for bass, for carp, yeah. for trout, whatever it is, I didn't know that that was in me and that would make me jump for joy. So if you may be thinking, you may be listening to yourself, well, Carlos, I don't know what that is for me. You know, I do love my work. I love, I promise you that there's something in you besides work that, uh, that God has created you to be. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a, I'm a fellow trout fisherman also and, uh, do, oh, do right enjoy on. it. You know, the story you told about, I think it's, it was in the book you told about going and then everyone came back and had COVID. You had went on a trout. I think in this book, you talk about that, right? Yeah. Isn't that, you, it's, it's, that it's, it's that same place. And I thought, you know what, that story, I, I laughed because I think all of us had or probably a COVID story where we thought we were doing everything right. We were going to a place yeah. and it, we were yeah. going to walk away and then everybody got COVID and it didn't yeah. go as, as we thought it would. So anyway. No, I didn't. Little did I know I would be the super spreader. Here I was like <laughs> on social media being like the most careful guy ever. And everyone's like, oh, Carlos is so careful. I had so many friends get sick. So I was like, I'm being careful. And then I was like, you know what, man, let's go fly fishing. And then everyone got COVID. It was horrible. (laughs) Crazy, crazy, crazy. I just want to pause for 30 seconds in the middle of this episode to share some exciting news about the book I published, A Caring Life, How Each of Us Can Change the Trajectory of an Uncaring World. It's available now on Amazon and audiobook, Kindle, and print form. And the book helps us recognize that our world is moving in a direction of an uncaring life and helps us reorient towards a caring life where those that are in our life feel valued, they feel known, they know that they belong, and they matter. The book, as I said, is, is a valuable resource and I believe will help change the trajectory of an uncaring world. It's available now on Amazon. Um, you talk also about or write about some of the purest human moments are when we go through some difficult seasons. Um, how, how does that help though? How does that bring out the most purest human parts of us when we go through these difficult times? Yeah. You know, I, I, I just know that, um, the, the version of humanity that affects people the most as they're watching is, is the version where people get up 
It's, it's, it's mm. not the version that, that they're just standing all the time. Like there's nothing inspiring to me. You know, no one wants to go to a movie and watch a movie where the first scene is this happily married couple and with the perfect family and they stay the perfect family for six or 120 minutes. And then at the end, they're still the perfect family. And then you want, no, like <laughs> that, that doesn't move anybody, right? Like no, there has to true. be drama. There has to that's be trial. True. There has to be. Uh, and so like, that's, that's the movie that we're living in. We're living in, um, in spiritual warfare. We're living in, uh, in seasons where uh, things are hard. And so here's, here's the thing. We're all going to go through hard seasons. How can you not only allow your hard season to affect you um, in, a, in a positive way, but to affect those around us in positive ways? I know for me, the more I talk about the difficult things I'm going through in my life, the more people um, I see that are inspired, like Carlos, you know, I feel seen, you know, in my book, I talk about be human, see yeah. humans, free humans. Yeah. And, and one of the easiest ways to see another person is simply by showing them who you really are in the great seasons and the tough seasons. And so, so many people feel seen when we show the most authentic versions of ourselves. Um, and so again, uh, as the listener, my, I guess my question is, are you hiding the hard moments in your life from those that are looking to you um, for your leadership? Or are you showing them appropriately um, yeah. that you can fall down and get back up? No, our, we're not supposed to show everything to everybody. Sure. There's things that are just for us, but Show them that you get back up when you go through the hard seasons. They're called seasons for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> a season begins and a season ends, right? Yeah, and so, since there's since there's going to be an end to that season, I'm telling you, if you show them in the season that you've fallen down, when you finally come out the backside of that season, that is going to propel people uh, into fully being human in ways that maybe they didn't think they could. Yeah, as a leader, obviously you're you're a influencer and a leader. How do you find that courage, Carlos, um, to to share? Because you know the we talked a little bit in the beginning of this podcast about our upbringings, you know, and so yeah. at least where I grew up in the church, you didn't share. You know, I mean, it was just about having a persona, and um, you yeah. kept that persona. And it's changing, and I think it's changing for the good. But honestly, the inner yeah. part of Aaron. It just wants to not be vulnerable and not share. So how does because yeah. you're vulnerable in the book when I on social media podcasting, I listen to you. You 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 share, but you don't overshare, like you said. But you're, sure. you share enough for people to know. Hey, Carlos is human, and it does yeah. challenge and, and it and allows us to identify with you. So where do you find that courage? Yeah. You know, I, I find the courage um, <clears throat> because other people have been courageous for me, and and I literally would not have found the courage to share my story had I not seen other people share theirs. And I just know that for every single time I share something difficult, you know, let's say two years ago, maybe it was a little more than that, two and a half years ago when my daughter uh, was in the hospital. So Hala for, you know, 20, 21 days. And, and I, I mean, I shared the vulnerable, mm-hmm. dark, hard parts of that story and the amount of people that, that were like, Carlos, this is so encouraging to me. I, you know, where are that people that have that have seen that, that in my highlights on my Instagram since have gone back because they are now going through hard yeah. seasons. So it's not only I'm finding the courage because it's not only in the moment yeah. that you're going through something that you're going to encourage somebody. It could be a decade, two decades later that yeah. your story of being authentic That's then good. is still encouraging new people now. And so I just think it's, you know, I, I'm the super 
let's share the hard parts of our story guy because I've seen it. I've seen it change people and I've seen people find freedom because of it. That's good. Good word. So that going on that kind of theme of courage, um, you talk about, you share in the book about the courage to be human when it comes to justice. Can you just share or unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. The courage when it comes to justice. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I I think um, over the course of the last two years, we have seen uh, justice um, issues, um, I think rise up in people's hearts to where more, more and more people are standing up for things that they believe in. And I think it's, I think it's really important. I think if we look at, look at Jesus and again, he, again, he's the, the human that I'm basing my entire book off of. Sure. He was not scared to stand up for those that are voiceless, to stand up for the oppressed, for stand up for people that didn't, you know, that couldn't stand up for themselves. And that is justice. That, that is, that is what we need to do. So <clears throat> for me, um, I, I think for a long time, you know, I, 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 I try to stay away from topics that um, maybe would ruffle feathers. And I try to stay away from people and conversations that, you know, w- weren't just a positive uplifting message. Yeah. Um, and so when, when I, when I started to stand up for justice in 2020, for some things that, that I felt like the Lord would stand up for, it was scary. And let me tell you why it's because, you know, I did, I, I did lose some followers. I lose some mm. of my influence because I was standing up for things that I felt like were important sure. uh, to stand up for. And, and, and that's the thing, like you can, you can keep everyone happy by having completely safe um, conversations constantly and not standing up for anything in, in terms of justice um, and I don't think you're going to have the impact that you will have when you finally um, become a voice for those that have no voice. And, yeah. you know, that can look a thousand different ways. You know, there, yeah. there's millions of. Di- so I'm not saying everyone has to stand up for the same things. Right. Because mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of things that um, I don't speak out on, you know, because people yeah. they'll come at me all the time, critics. And they're like, well, Carlos, you stand up for this and you talk about this, but you don't talk about this. And you don't talk about this. What a hypocrite. And I'm like, well, actually, you know, I do have opinions on those things. Yeah. Um, I do stand, I, I, I stand for certain things. Sure. Um, but um, if I were to just, just spend every moment of every day speaking on every justice, to- justice topic out there, there's way too many. I would have to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week <laughs> doing that. And so there are people yeah. that are speaking out for the homeless in Nashville, Tennessee. That's not something that I speak out about. But guess what? Still, I still care about it. Sure. But I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't feel called to speak out on that thing. So I guess the, the question is, what, what is the thing that you feel, the justice piece mm-hmm. that you feel called to, to speak out on and speak out on it? Yes, yeah. you may ruffle a couple feathers, but in the end, it's going to be worth it because those people need, uh, need your voice. So. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I'm going to jump jump ahead, but the idea that I think it segues in here good. Um, the idea that you you share, I don't stand on issues. Uh, I walk with I walk with people. Can you yeah. just unpack that for us? I, it's a powerful statement. Um, yeah, yeah. I um I heard that statement from a pastor buddy of mine like a decade ago. Um, his name's Mike. He's a pastor of Port City Church in, oh, where's Port City Church? It's in like on the coast of South Carolina. Um, and you know, when he first said that to me, again, this was like eight, nine years ago. Okay. I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. You know, like, like mm-hmm. that, you know, or whatever. And I, I kind of kept it to myself or whatever. And then when things got so tense around the planet two years ago, yeah, 
Um, and, and every, when everybody was standing on issues, when everyone was like, this is my opinion on this issue. And it was, it felt like every single day there was a new issue that, um, that we could stand on. And people kept asking me, people kept saying, you know, Carlos, um, where do you stand on this issue? Where do you stand on the issue of blank? Where do you stand on the issue of this? Where do you say, um, and finally I was like, oh my gosh, like the actual way to do this correctly is to do what Mike taught me. Don't stand on issues, but walk with people. And that, it, that phrase, it can seem a little, um, it can't, it can seem a little easy to say, but I'll tell you what it's not easy to do is do right. Yeah. Like, like, like yeah. to actually walk with people. So let, let me give you a couple examples. During the summer of 2020, I'll give kind of both sides of the extreme on an issue, right? So we've got lots of issues. You know, nobody, nobody's pretending like they're not out there. We had like Black Lives Matter marches um, happening around the country. And there was a lot of people that stood on certain sides of that issue, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we have like, um, you know, here in America, a lot of, you know, Blue Lives Matter and police, you know, uh, people that were backing police because Black Lives Matter was, you know, supposedly against police. And so there are people that were standing on that side of the issue. So this is a great example of what walking with people not standing on issues meant. I have a friend because I, I was very, I, I was at Black Lives Matter marches. I, I was, I was, I believed in, you know, the statement sure. that Black Lives Matter. And so I was, I was, I was portraying that. And then I had a friend of mine that was um, a police officer that was like, Carlos, like you're making us the enemy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just saying this. And so we were starting to argue. And I was standing on an issue, right? Yeah. And he was standing on an issue. And then, I, the, you know, this freaking phrase that Mike taught me came <laughs> to pop it in my head. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to walk with him. I realized, like, it's a lot easier to stand on this issue than to walk with him. Hmm. And guess what? He didn't want to walk with me either. Hmm. And I said, you know what? I say this all the time. Let's, let's do something. Let's, because this is what, you know, he, he's like, I serve no-knock warrants all the time. If I were to knock on the door, the bad guys would pump a shotgun shell through my chest. Do you want me to knock knock on the door? You love me, yeah. right? And I was like, yeah. okay, well, you can knock, but I don't want anyone else to knock, right? <laughs> so, right so suddenly I'm like, I'm kind of walking with him, but I'm not. Yeah. So you know what we decided to do? I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to walk with each other. I want you, Mr. SWAT Team LAPD, to fly to Nashville, Tennessee, and I want you to go to a Black Lives Matter march with me. And I want you to hold up a sign because do you believe that my life, ma- my life matters? He was like, absolutely. I said, well, then I want you to march for me. And he did not want to do it because of everything else he believed about whatever it was. And I said, but let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to fly to L.A. and I'm going to get in your cop car and I'm going to go on a police ride along with you. And I'm going to do something that I don't want to do. Because can I tell you something? All my white friends growing up, they were like they would go on police ride alongs for fun. Like mm. as a black kid, like that is mind blowing to me that, that you would like voluntarily ask a police officer to come to your house and get in the back of the car. Like that's crazy to me. Right. And so I said, but I'm going to do that with you. And guess what? When we walked with each other, so many things healed and he saw things from my point of view. And I saw things from his point of view. Now did the, did the ultimate, did our ultimate opinions completely change? No. Yeah. But we saw each other and we were able to walk together and that's what that statement means. Yeah, it's yeah. like, even if you vehemently disagree with somebody, the gospel calls us to walk with yeah. people. Yeah, we can't not. And so, yeah, that, that's what it means to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's challenging. But like I said, it puts words yeah. to something that 
and I've, and you know, myself, I've found myself standing on things and really, and through the Holy Spirit, really convicting me that I was standing on things. I would go, Carlos, miles, I traveled, you know, traveled around the world to go to share the love of Christ to people um, in certain places. And then people that were, I were coming in contact with, I was standing on an issue and somehow yeah. that was, and you talked about this distracting, dividing, you know, and the issue. Yeah seemed to divide me um, for people right. that were in my life. And just, just the duplicity, I think, is really what the the Holy Spirit convicted me of, was I was duplicitous in the sense that I would, I don't know, I'd made these Aaron Santamire rules in my head <laughs> that, um, that I really was, I was willing to walk with these people, but not these people, yep. what yep. the difference was. And, um, yep. and I'd like to tell you, it's all clear in my mind today, and I have it all figured out, but that would be lying. Um, yeah. But I am yeah. aware of the Holy Spirit, and He He is continuing to work on me. And um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's good stuff. I get it. It's hard, man. It's hard, but it's important. But you, like you said, it's an easy statement to say. It's hard to do. Yeah. Um, yep. But it it gives words uh, words to me um, to challenge. So you also uh, write about the idea see to serve, um, and that we're all a lot more alike than than we can imagine. Can you can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know. Um, Seeing people is, is the second step in how to human be human, see humans. Uh, and <laughs> if we're not seeing people, then we, we literally cannot be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so, you know, I, I think that, um, for me, I used to complicate this part. So I, I used to make, make seeing people be the most complicated thing. Oh, well, if I see somebody, if I see a homeless person, then I've got to go volunteer at the homeless shelter five days a week and this and that. And it's like, no. Like, actually, no, actually, like, what, what if like you rolled your window down when you came up to that stop sign and just said, Hey, I see you like, th that's it. Like, like I, I see, you don't have to hand them any money. You don't, I mean, you can, if you want, but, um, just seeing people, uh, there are people desperate to be seen all around us. So, I mean, something that I've just, you know, come into, it's become a habit is I look for the people that are unseen every single day. I look for the people that are invisible every single day. And, you know, I, I, um, I, I try to find a way to serve them or see to serve, you know, what, what are ways that I can serve them? Because ultimately the last step in how to human is free people. So it's like, it's like mm -hmm. see humans or be human, see humans, free humans. Well, you can't free somebody unless you see them first. And so like, how, how can you see the people around you that are invisible? And sometimes, and this is the hardest thing, sometimes those, those are the very same people that live in your own house because we're so busy. We're so busy doing ministry. We're so busy doing work that the people that we actually need to see are the ones living under our own roof, our own kids, grandkids, you know, uh, spouses, like, yeah. the, like, let's go back to the roots here and not just, you know, see people that are around us at the bus stops or at the fast food restaurants, but see those around us. And I, it's just, you know, you look, I look back in the last two years and we look at all the conflict that's happening around the world. You know what the conflict is? 100% the most um, violent conflicts that are happening are people that are desperate to be seen. Mm, like, that's, good. You, you, th that's why people uprise. That's why it's because people feel invisible. And when people feel invisible, they will scream louder and they will scream louder until they aren't invisible anymore. So yeah. what do we do? We see them before they reach a breaking point, and yeah. people are desperate for that. Yeah, it's good. Chip Dodd talks about the two basic human needs are belonging and mattering. 
And um, I think yeah. that idea of seeing people lets they know that you, you this book about how to human when as humans as we see somebody and as you say yeah. say I see you that lets them know hey you belong to the human race right yeah and yeah. you do you do matter um, because of who you are and that yeah. I think that was the challenge also as I read the book too was just the challenge to see people for who they are um, and yeah. not m- my preconceived ideas on that yeah so, not who we want them to be yeah yeah. And how do you get there on that idea of not who we want them to be? Yeah, you know, um, we 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 are in we have zero zero control over <laughs> who we want another person to be. Like the only thing that we have even slight control over is ourselves. And I only I say slight control because we still aren't control. Control is the biggest myth on planet Earth that we somehow are in control of anything. So once once we kind of once I got to the place of of guess like it's not my job to change them into something I want them to be. You know what my job is? My job is to love them ferociously and love yeah. them unconditionally and love them. Guess whose job it is to change them? Yeah. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like, like that. So, so once I like, I let go of that and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I am just, it's just my job to love you. That That's it. It's my, not my job to convict you. Conviction is the role of Holy Spirit. When we start to try to convict people to change them, we are now playing God and we are mm-hmm. taking that role away from God. And whenever we try to play God, let me know how that goes for you because it <laughs> never goes well. So, you know, our role is to love people ferociously let, and let the Holy Spirit change them. Yeah, it's good. One last question for you, and then I'm going to ask you to pray for us. Um, yeah. You talk about loneliness, and um, I think that's uh, obviously, if I look across the world today, this idea of loneliness yeah. is probably the, I don't want to say it's the disease of our generation, but just yeah. something that impacts us all. Could you just share a little bit um, about loneliness and the importance of how we yeah. can help free people from it? Yeah, we um, we we live in the loneliness, the loneliest generation ever. People are more connected, connected than ever <clears throat> and lonelier than ever. And um, that, that, is, that is that piece of seeing people. Again, it's so simple. Yeah. Be human, see humans, free humans. It really is. Like you want to cure people's loneliness, see them, like see mm-hmm. them purposely and then free them, right? Um, <clears throat> so I, 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 like to, I like to find, like I said before, uh, the invisible people who may feel the loneliness. And can I tell you something that now that I'm in my four, you know, late forties, um, I, and I'm seeing my parents, their generation, I, that, that is the lonely generation. That, that is wow, a generation that good. is, that is desperate for us to come around them and to see them. And so I, I try to, you know, sometimes it may not be convenient, but I call my mom every single day. I can't even believe I say that, but I do every day yeah. just to check on it. It could be two minutes. Yeah. could be 10 seconds. But yeah. I call her because I don't want her to be lonely. Now, now, here's the thing: it's not just the it's not just the boomer generation that's lonely. You got 14 year olds, you got 18 year olds who are lonelier than ever because they're just staring at their screen. There's actually a book that I recommend by Norena Hertz. I'm putting it up on the camera so you can see it right now. But it's yeah. called The Lonely Century, sure. and um, it's it's how to restore human connection in a world that's pulling us apart. We, we live in a, <clears throat> in a loneliness epidemic. Um, and so w- knowing that, what, what are things that we can do um, every single day to, to help with that? And I, I, you know, I don't want to blame one thing, 
But, you know, look, I can go ahead and blame the other thing <laughs> in my hand, which is which is these phones, right? The, probably the very thing that you're listening to this podcast on, um, they're, they're, they're not good or bad. They're not good or evil. They're just – it's just a brick, right? right. But we, what we do with them is the thing that I can – I think can either cure loneliness or uh, add to loneliness. And so we just have to be careful. We have to make um, – one thing that I, that I did is about a flip phone. And I use my flip phone, which has no data on it, 80% of my day. And wow. I only use my smartphone. Uh, now I put a time limit, 90 minutes a day. And so that's actually cured a lot of my loneliness. Why? Because I'm looking up as opposed to looking down. I did an experiment in the Atlanta airport where I counted. I stood by the escalator and I counted 100 people coming up the escalator. 100 people. And out of 100 people, how many people were staring at the phones? 100. Like wow. one, not one single person was looking up. And I think, well, you know what? There's the cure to loneliness. Look up, uh, literally look up yeah. and the intentionality of having the flip phone. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a challenge for us all. And, uh, yeah. Carlos, you, you're a phenomenal person to be around. You put joy in people's hearts. Will you pray for us today? That God will use this book. Absolutely. Um, that is, yeah. I said, challenges, not only with new knowledge, but with new actions. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'd love to, um, Holy spirit. I just ask you very specifically, um, whether someone reads this book or not, to invade their lives, um, invade their surroundings. Holy Spirit, will you show up in the most incredible ways just to remind every listener today, I just pray that it happens today, even in the next hour that they're listening to this Holy Spirit, that you remind them and show them the beauty of their humanity and uh, that you can lead them to a space of trying to simply mimic the life of Jesus. Will you place um, situations in front of them today that they have to see people maybe in ways that they don't want to see them? Uh, will you open their eyes to see people around them that have been invisible to them for years? And may, be, may this be the moment that they can help someone find freedom because they truly see them. For it's by the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.